Well, today our, will be our last day in our chapel here. Tomorrow we'll start at, with Ash Wednesday. We'll return to the church, and we'll be in the church throughout the rest of the year. Uh, I'd like to focus on our first reading here from Syrac. We've got uh, some very interesting things going on, a sort of a contrast taking place here. For the first half of this reading, the author is speaking about how God is pleased. He's, he's, what he really wants is a life of uh, moral rectitude and virtue uh, as opposed to ritual worship. Okay, So if you can kind of contrast these two things. And he's saying, in fact, that a life of, uh, of goodness is, in a certain sense, like equivalent. Like that's the sort of sacrifice. That's the sort of ritual worship, um, so to speak, that God is looking for. And so you might be led at first to kind of think, well, you know, God doesn't really worry about uh, ritual worship. It's not that important to him. What he really wants is that we be, um, you know, we live good and upright lives. Uh, and actually, uh, what he takes that sort of expectation and he then, he then kind of like reverses it on you. He sort of tricks you because about halfway through the reading, he starts saying almost the, op- almost the opposite. He, so, for example, in the beginning he's saying, in works of charity, that's equivalent to offerings of fine flour. And uh, giving of alms uh, is like basically the sac- a sacrifice. But then he says, uh, appear not before the Lord empty-handed. Um, the just one's offering enriches the altar and rises as a sweet odor before the Most High. The just one's sacrifice is most pleasing, nor will it ever be forgotten. Um, <clears throat> In a generous spirit, pay homage to the Lord. Be not sparing of free will gifts. So now he's talking about how you actually should offer um, ritual worship, and particularly sacrifice. So it, you know you might think that he's saying, well, you know, we don't need that whole religion stuff. We just want to be, we want to live good lives. But he, he doesn't let you get go down that path too far. And he's saying you need both. Okay, you need both upright life and also the ritual worship. They're both necessary. And in fact, really, there, there's really not, uh, on further examination, these two things, you might want to contrast them over against each other, but you really can't um, uh, place them in an ultimate opposition to each other. They really reduce to the same thing, and that is virtue. Because it's virtuous to offer uh, ritual worship to God. It's, it's um, a, an aspect of justice. It's simply recognizing who God is in your life and... Um, and giving him that which is his due. That's really what worship is. Uh, moreover, because human nature is social, where we are social animals, we're social creatures, it, religion and our, our just due that we pay to God has to be social in nature. It can't be this individual, this radical individual affair. Okay, It's got to have uh, a social element to it. And sacrifice in particular, there's the person offering the sacrifice, then there's the priest that offers it up on behalf of the person. So that implies at least two people right there. Okay, So it's not just this radical individual kind of endeavor. Um, you know, you'll hear some people say things like, uh, well, you know, I'm okay with religion, but I don't like that organized religion stuff. You know, the organized organized religion. They don't like organized religion. Well, you want you want disorganized religion? What do you want, you know? I think what they're really saying is they want to have this kind of radical, just me and God and no one else involved. That's that's not human nature, though. That's not according to human nature. If God is going to 
be recognized, he's going to be recognized by societies, by groups of people at a time. And that's why, uh, you know, we assemble as a group to offer worship to God. And of course, whenever, you know, a social group gets together, there's got to be people who lead, there's got to be laws, there's got to be rules of membership, who's in, who's out, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's natural. So all of these sorts of things that kind of irk the person who's got something against organized religion are really, they just flow forth from the, the human nature and uh, the virtue of justice, of what we as human beings owe to God. Uh, I remember once I was, um, I studied, did my seminary studies in, in Rome, and one of the things I did when I was there, part of my one of my apostolates, they call it, just one of your service things, is I gave tours, actually, of St. Peter's Basilica. And uh, it was an opportunity. I, I, the tours I gave it were in English, so you know you had to speak English. But I would I would meet people from all different countries who who could speak English and understand a, a tour guide who spoke English. Uh, but they were from all over the place. And I remember once this, uh, a woman from uh, Russia, and she was a very young woman. So she grew up. Uh, she was born under the um, under the communists, and she never knew anything different. And um, uh, you know, she was pretty young, though, such that I, it was sort of like it was. I think it was after the fall of the of the wall, uh, and and it might have been after the dissolution of the USSR that she was really kind of flourished as, as a young person uh, in Russia. And she had this kind of love hate relationship with religion. She she didn't she wasn't baptized. She had no you know formal training in religion whatsoever, but she was kind of attracted to these humongous, beautiful uh, Russian churches that you find everywhere. And she'd kind of go into them like secretly, you know, and like light a candle. She didn't know what she's doing. She's just very attracted to this thing. But yet at the same time, she was very much a uh, an idle talker against religion. And she I, I can't stand it when re, when when religion, especially gets involved with the politicians, get involved. And, and I said to her, well, you know, human beings are social by nature. And if we're political animals, animals and we're religious animals and we're social animals, all those things are going to, there's going to be crossover between all of those things. And it kind of like, like the light went off in her head and she was, she totally softened from that point on. And then she started assailing me about all these specific moral issues, especially the, the what I what is endearingly called the pelvic issues, you know, all of the, the sexual morality issues. She started talking to me about those things and I was able to make headway with her. But I think it was that first kind of, um, that first barrier that needed to be pulled down is like, I don't like organized religion, you know. Well, you know, you know, here we are, we're, we, we're human beings, we live in groups, and so if God is going to reveal himself to us and speak to us. He's going to do it to us as as people who live in groups. But in all this talk of uh, the need for ritual worship as well as a good and holy life, um, we see the importance of sacrifice. And this comes to its fulfillment in the Eucharist. That's a beautiful thing. So here we gather today, my brothers and sisters, for the Eucharist and how grateful are we for this, uh, this, this ritual worship here because it is the worship of Jesus Christ himself um, that he offers to God the Father and it's absolutely irreplaceable. We can't ever match or equal it, but we have the great joy of being the beneficiaries of it. We enter into this wonderful worship and sacrifice that Jesus offers to God the Father and we can do it uh, almost every day. Uh, and for that, we are we are truly thankful.